Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is um, Tim, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, and I'm glad to be with you today to, to talk with you about um, the Holy Spirit. So let's let's pray for a minute and uh, kind of... You, you can pray for me, and I'll pray for you. How's that? Father, thank you for, um, for your presence among us, and we're so grateful to be yours, that you love us unconditionally. Jesus, we're so grateful for the sacrifice that you paid so that we could be fully yours, fully in the Father's house. Thank you for the righteousness that you give us. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to come and to, to teach us, to convict us, to encourage us. We renounce uh, anything that's contrary to what you want to do, God. We just renounce fear in the name of Jesus. We renounce disappointment in the name of Jesus. We renounce um, apathy in the name of Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would reveal and do whatever you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I, I guess, I don't know, a month and a half ago or so, Doug asked me if I would open up this, um, series that we call them episode one of, uh, life in the spirit. Uh, and I, I've, I've been praying about it, thinking about it and, and, uh, where I landed is kind of funny. It's, it's so it's, it's hilarious and borderline hilarious, at least that, that I, Tim Culp, I'm standing up in front of you talking about the Holy Spirit at this, at this point in my life. So for those of you who don't know my story, I was raised in a, in a fundamentalist background, which was very much, um, you know, shut the Holy Spirit down. I, I mean, this is my, my reflection on it. They wouldn't have said this at the time, but that was kind of the, the way I grew up. So the, you know, certainly we, we were taught about the scriptures and taught about the Holy Spirit uh, as, a, as a member of the Trinity that was, you know, he was honored in that way. But what happened, it was the doctrine of, I guess it's a doctrine, I don't know what you call it, a belief in cessationism, if you've heard of that, which comes from this Latin root that means that, you know, to, to, to end, to cease. It, it basically said that once the quote-unquote age of the apostles was finished, that miraculous works of the Holy Spirit were not being done, that once the scriptures had been canonized, so you have your Bible, that we don't need the Holy Spirit to do amazing things among us because we have the Bible and that's better. Now, there's a, multiple ironies in that. Um, one is that it assumes that the age of the apostles has ended. Okay. Secondly, it, it, it says that that it, if effectively it says that the Bible that was completed 2,000 years ago is better than the living God in my heart, living inside me. And obviously they didn't mean that, but that's what kind of got communicated, if that makes sense. 
And so I was taught in a very strict way that, that any time I saw tongues being exercised, like I had friends at school uh, who went to you know, churches where they would speak in tongues. So anytime I saw tongues or heard about prophecy or somebody getting healed miraculously, that they were, they were either you know, liars or demonic, filled with, the, filled with the devil, or they were charlatans or all three, you know, whatever. They were, it was not from God. Now, what ends up happening or ended up happening, at least in me, is by guilt, what's it called? Guilt by association. You ever heard that expression? That, you know, you, you, after you say that's from the enemy, that's from the enemy, that's from the enemy enough times, then anything, then you begin to associate the Holy Spirit with that, right? And you begin to, even though you know in your head that the Holy Spirit is, is, is part of the Trinity, you began to be suspicious and distrusting of anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit. At least that's what happened in me. And, you know, certainly there was no intent to do that, but that's what happened. And so um, what, it, what was taught was that any of these people who were pursuing more of the Holy Spirit and seeing these things, that they were, here's the quote, elevating their experience above the scriptures. Has anybody ever heard that quote? Elevating their experience above the scriptures. So some of you have heard that. The irony in the whole thing is that we were elevating our lack of experience above the scriptures. I'm going to say that one more time. We were elevating our lack of experience above the scriptures. So basically what we were saying is because I haven't experienced something, it can't be true. Because it hasn't happened to me, I, it, it can't be happening. It's not true. And therefore, I scour the scriptures looking for a phrase or so that says, God doesn't do this anymore. How do I know that? Because it hasn't happened to me. And there's, a, there's an arrogance in that. I don't know if you hear it, but that, that I define what's possible. Wow, that's sad. You know what I mean? So thankfully, by the grace of God, um, and I mean that fullness. Oh, I got it. One more thought. I, had, I saw Johnny's mug coming in. Can you read your, your mug? Not the, not the sponsor, but the verse. Yeah. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Amen? Anybody? Amen. This word, which the scriptures are, you know, full of, is, is like a, I, I call it a flashlight, call it a torch. The psalmist called it a lamp. You know, that was their version of a flashlight. Um, it's, it lights my way. And what happened as I was growing up, and, and just because of the nature of the, the, the church I grew up in, is the, the word of God, the scriptures became a cage that was built around us. That we would say, ah, oh, here's the walls. Here's what's possible. And as long as you stay inside the cage that the scriptures create, you're, you can be godly. You can be pleasing God. But don't think outside. Don't think beyond the cage. Now, again, if you think about the scriptures, you go all the way back to, to, to Adam and Eve and what they experienced of God. And, and they had no scriptures. You think of Abraham looking at the stars, God speaking to him about the promises. 
that he had no scriptures. You think of Moses and his encounters with God. He had no scriptures. But over time, the scriptures began to accumulate. God began to reveal things, and they began to be recorded. And by just praise God, they got recorded in writing so that you and I can start off not, not with you know, mythology. We can start off with truth, right? But these scriptures are not meant to be a cage. They're meant to be a light unto our path. They're a place. They're, they're, they help us walk into whatever God has for us. They, they, they don't, not meant to pin us in. They're meant to help us pursue this holy God who has revealed himself for thousands and tens of thousands of years to, to ancestors, you know? They're beautiful, beautiful light into our path. They're not a cage. And, and so the, our, our love for this, the word is that it, it gives us such a head start. It gives us such a place to go, Wow, I, I, heard, I think I heard something from God. Might that have been from God? And then we search the scripture and we go, boy, that sounds like him, doesn't it? Wow. Or, or that doesn't sound like him. I don't know that that was him. Let's pray about that. Let's talk to some, some people. Let's find out if that might have been him. But they provide us this incredible opportunity to, to, to go beyond, you know, the experience of our, of our forefathers. And that's what, you know, the Lord is all about. I pray that, you know, we go beyond the, the experience of, of Paul. I pray that my children go beyond my experience. I pray that my grandchildren go beyond theirs in, in their experience of God and this limitless God. So Cindy and I, um, Cindy Grip, uh, well, once when, when she became a Christian, she was in a, I guess, a comparable church and was taught similar things. And, and we met in our late in our college years and um this crazy thing happened where where about that same time we were reading a book uh called uh crossing the switchblade if you've ever ever heard of that if you haven't read it read it it's good uh it was written in the 60s 70s uh david wilkerson if you've heard of him and it was just this crazy stuff that was going on in new york city and you know, we're, we're talking about this and we're seeing with these stirrings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I remember even before we were engaged, we were, we were uh, in, a, in a house. We were at, on, on the floor, on our knees, praying for more. Because we both felt there's got to be more. If this is all there is of God, then, then this, this does not match this. There has to be more. Because this tells me there's more. There's got to be. So we, we, we prayed for more. We asked God to do whatever he needed to do to lead us into more. And, and he's done that. And he continues to do that. And, and we do not feel that we've experienced all there is to God, that he has much more to lead us into, to, to carry us into. But we depend on him for that. And so if, if you've had that, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I, I just want you to ask yourself, have you ever had that feeling in your heart that there must be more than this? got to be more of the Holy Spirit than this. This can't be all there is. So those are the folks I, I really want to, to encourage you today to not give in to discouragement or disappointment or, oh, yeah, I, I thought this way a year ago or five years ago, and yeah, it didn't really pan out. So I became content to, yeah, you just be a good person and try to do the right things. That is not, God longs to be longed for. God longs to be longed for. It's, it's who he is. Go back to Adam and Eve. 
walking in the garden. He longs to be longed for. Think about Abraham. Think about Moses. He longs to be longed for. And Jesus demonstrated that to us. He longs to be longed for. And it didn't end with Jesus. You go through the apostles and the prophets. You go into, through, through church history. There have always been, there will always be, praise God, people who respond to his, to his desire to be longed for. And they find that more of him. And we want to be a community that longs for him. So that's kind of the long introduction. Amen. Okay, so if you could go to, so uh, this is my outline, and I literally used, I, I can't believe I did this, but I have, you know, they all start with a G. I used to mock people like me. Um, so <clears throat> three things, the, you know, I was trying to think, Lord, what, 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 do I, what's, what do I say? You know, what do I say? And I don't know where this series is going, but, but in episode one, we're going to focus on these three things. Um, that the Holy Spirit is God, that he is good, and that he's a gift. He's God, he's a gift, he's good, and he's a gift. Okay, can you go to the next slide? Well, first we'll talk about he's God. Okay, now I know that, you know, there are Bereans among us. So if you, if you need some scriptures behind this, I wanted to provide some to you if you kind of grew up um, looking at the Holy Spirit as a, as a mascot of God or a minion of God. Um, I wanted to share some, some scriptures on this. Can you go one more? All right, so this is an image. You know, to be at Renew, you have to find these cool images. So uh, we, I, I found this image, um, and it, it, I, I liked it a lot. It, it tries to capture this idea that, that three persons in one. And it's a crazy idea, and you go, well, that can't be. It's got to be like water and ice. You know, oh, my word. You know, stop, okay? Our brains cannot understand the Trinity. We just can't. It's like giving a, a calculus book to a three-year-old and saying, what's wrong with you? Why can't you understand this? We are not capable. And whether we're three or 30 or 300, we will never be capable. When we come into the presence of God, we are going to fall on our faces and weep because he is so beautiful and awesome and beyond us. The scriptural word is holy, which we've dumbed down to pure. And it doesn't mean pure. It means beyond us. We are going to come into the presence of this one who is beyond us, this one who created all things, and say, I can't believe I am experiencing you right now. So the Holy Spirit is, is not yet. The Holy Spirit is, is part of this. You got the, the, in this artist, again, trying to capture it in an image. This artist does the, the father at the top. I guess that's, I looked this up. I didn't know if it was absurd, obscene or anything, but it, I guess it means a symbol of blessing which is good. The father wants to bless us. Abba, I like that, wants to bless us. You've got the son, the lamb of God, who in, in the book of Revelation is called a lamb over and over. We will forever worship Jesus as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world forever. He will always be this one that we will owe our lives to. That's good. That's not bad. That's beautiful. And then the, the spirit on the lower right there representing this, this one that, that Jesus has given to us that the Father has given to us to love. So the thing about, this, the, about God is that he is, he is one. He's in perfect unity. He's not like these Greek gods that are, yeah, they're fighting, and then Hercules did this, and it really pissed off Zeus. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know Greek mythology, but you, you see this in, in, uh, in, in Native American 
you know, traditions. You see this in, in, in a Hindu, you know, there's millions of God, gods. And, oh, you go to this one for this, and you don't want to tick him off, so you go to this one. That is not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in perfect unity. The, the word that really hits me is there is no jealousy between them. Zero. They don't go, oh, you're supposed to be praying to me for that. Why are you going to him? Or, oh, yeah, you know, no, I, I, don't, I don't handle that kind of stuff. You need to be talking to Jesus. You, you can't screw it up. You just can't. Because there's no jealousy in the Trinity. Zero. They are in perfect unity. Jesus gets into this in, in John uh, 14 through 17. Just read it, soak yourself in it. But you see this. If you've seen the father, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then later he says, basically, if you see the Holy Spirit, you've seen me. And there's this beautiful dance of the, of the Trinity. You can't understand it. It's okay. It's beautiful. You can trust Jesus. He knows what he's talking about. And he says, there's no jealousy. There's perfect unity. If you've seen one, you've seen the other. If you, if you, if you connect, you're connecting and you're praying, oh, Holy Spirit, do this. It doesn't upset the father or Jesus. It doesn't. You can't screw it up because they, the, they are in perfect unity and they love you. There's no manipulation. There's no, there's no disunity. There's no suspicion. Oh, keep your eye on the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you astray. No, there's none of that. It's perfect unity, perfect love, perfect purity. Uh, can you go to the next slide? So the Holy Spirit is part of that. And I'll just share a few scriptures for the Bereans among us. Just don't build a cage out of them. And I, I mean that. Just make sure that you're submitting to the Spirit in the midst of this. So Jesus, um, he's telling, in John 14, he's telling his disciples about him going away. And they're, they're kind of getting upset. That they get that. And he says, he says, if you love me, keep me keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you an advocate. At least this version says an advocate, another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. So when the Holy spirit comes and he lives in us, that's like Jesus living in us. This word advocate, means it's, a, it's an equality thing. He's not, he's not a lap dog. He's, he's an equivalent to Jesus living in you. That's amazing. Then later in, the, in this, you know, Jesus gets into, when the advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes from the Father, he will testify about me. So that Jesus is, Jesus is saying, I trust the Holy Spirit. I know, he, I know him. He's going to speak about me. He's going to encourage you in the things that I've encouraged you in and taught you things. Now, this one is, this is, this one still blows me away. They, he says, so let me say it again. This truth, it is better for you that I leave. Now, you, he, these guys had hung out with Jesus and been taught with him for three years. And he says, it's better for you if I leave. If I don't leave, the friend, the Holy Spirit, the advocate won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And what Jesus is saying is saying, it's better for you if you have the advocate than me. 
Now you think, well, how can that be? There are equal. Yeah, it's better because he can be in all of them at the same time. I don't have to be in Israel, and that's a great opportunity to find Jesus and say, oh, there he is. He's on the other side of the crowd. I can, I can be in the United States of America or in, in Kenya or in China and, and have Jesus through his spirit in me. I can commune with him wherever I am on the planet and in time. Now, to the level we get that and believe that and say, I trust that, to, is it will help our experience. It really will. We just have to meditate on it because it is so contradictory to everything that, you know, that their culture tells us and our experience sometimes is, doesn't match with that. Oh, well, this is what Jesus said. Go with that. Don't distrust the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Distrust yourself. You can distrust me. You can distrust one another. Never distrust the Holy Spirit or what Jesus is telling you about him. Okay? That's where you start. That's your anchor. And everything else, if it's contrary to it, isn't true, or you don't understand it, or it's a flat-out lie, I don't know. It, it Maybe all of these. Start with what he's telling you. So in um, Acts 5, again, Jesus, so Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is, is him in us. Acts 5, um, Peter's talking to, this is this... Um, Lovely story of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember this one? I think we'd act this out. No kidding. Um, <clears throat> Ananias and, and Sapphira are, are lying, and Peter encounters Ananias, and he says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Okay? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then two sentences later, he says, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And I don't know if you can see the, the, where Peter's coming from there is that you lie to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. Why? Because they are one and the same. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. Father's God. And um, Paul, throughout the epistles, Paul makes reference to this. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, he talks about you are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you think God is going to make a temple to anything but himself? Obviously, the answer is no. So we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are temples of God. God is not dwelling in, in a building. He's dwelling in human hearts. He's dwelling in our, in, our, in our souls. He's dwelling in us. We are temple, temples of the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively. And in Corinthians, Paul talks about both. And then lastly, um, to try to make this point, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, Paul's talking about when anyone, turns, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, the, sorry. And now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the spirit. And, all who, and now we with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory. Are be, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, okay? So it's the, the teaching of Jesus, the, the apostles, and the prophets, okay? Next slide. The Holy Spirit is good. Um, we talked about this already a little bit, but 
The Holy Spirit is this good, he's good. Now, when we mean good, we don't mean less than great. And there is a difference in different ways people use good. What the goodness here refers to, at his core, he is filled with goodness. At his core, he is filled with goodness. He longs for what is best, for what is, you, you can trust him. All right, so if you go to the next slide, this is uh, from Matthew and Luke. I, I love these parallel passages. Um, so this is this passage where, where Jesus talks about um, knocking, and, and he says, and, and it, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay? All true. All beautiful. Now, the parallel passage in, in Luke says this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, you could say, oh, which did he say? It doesn't matter. Both. Yes. The Holy Spirit is a good gift, is the point. He's not, he's not a, he is what we long for. Now, we, we have this phrase, and, and, and I agree with it and love it, but it's, it's, it, can, it can be twisted by our hearts. And that is we want to be open to the Holy Spirit. We do. Don't get me wrong. We do. Beats the alternative. Closed. Okay? But to be open, sometimes we can manipulate the term, and we can make it be lazy. Okay? And if, if the Holy Spirit hits me with a holy stick, great. But what Jesus is talking about here is a desperation. I'm, holiness is fine. Desperation is better. It wasn't being open that brought the prodigal son home. What brought the prodigal home son, son home was desperation. Remember the publican and the Pharisee in the temple and the publican's beating on his chest? He found mercy not because he was open, but because he was desperate, right? So there is a desperation that we need. We need to, we need to ask and ask and ask and ask, you know, versus, oh, Holy Spirit, come. Nothing happened. I guess it's not real anymore. Versus being desperate, wrestling with God. This morning I was praying about today and I was thinking about Jacob. Remember Jacob? He wrestled with the Holy Spirit. He wrestled with God. He's wrestling and what does he want from God? You know, remember? He wants a blessing. And he wrestled all night long and it's this wacky story. It's, it's kind of crazy, but he's wrestling. Turns out it's with God, but he's not letting him go until he gets a blessing. And that's what we've got to have. We got to have a little bit of that wrestle with us, not. Oh, yeah, you pinned me. Okay, I'm good. You know, but I'm not letting you go until you give me your Holy Spirit. Now, well, we have the Holy Spirit. Really? <laughs> There's more. When the creator of the universe inhabits us, do we think we might know it? Do you think it might affect us? Absolutely. Have you seen evidence of him in your life? I hope so. That's awesome. Do you want more? That's a question, actually. Do you want more? Yeah, we do, right? We all, I mean, there's, you will never run out of God and we're never going to get to heaven and go and wait, that was all there was. You know, remember the V8 commercial years ago? 
I could have had a V8. In the same way, we're going to get to heaven and go, oh, you had all of that for me? I got gypped by my own lack of desperation. I couldn't hang in there. I couldn't desire. I couldn't long for you enough. And I lived a life that wasn't what all that you had for me. Versus, oh, there's even more than I thought. Holy Spirit is good. Um, Jesus, in, in uh, Isaiah, the Isaiah, this is like 900 years before Jesus. Jesus Isaiah talks about this one who would come and he'd be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then 900 years later, Jesus is born. And here's this man, this human being, flesh and blood, born as a baby in the dirt, basically. Loved, but in a very impoverished situation. And he was God with us. And then we, we love that, and we celebrate that every year, and I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. But when then Jesus comes to us, this one who's Emmanuel, and he's not saying, you're going to have God with you. He says, you're going to have God in you. And we go, yeah, whatever. We, we got we to get through the numbness. Think about that. You can have God in you. You do have God in you. And he wants to do amazing things in you, through you, on the earth. Moses, you know, Lord, show me your glory, show me your glory. And he pleaded with God, and God gave him a revelation of his glory, at least what he could handle. And would you rather see the face of God or have God living in you? That is a question. Think about that. Would you rather see the face of God or have God living in you? And I think if you think about it, we got a pretty sweet setup here. God has amazing offer to make to us that I will live in you. I will transform you into the image of, of Jesus while you walk around this planet and follow me. Got like six years worth of stuff here. Sorry. <clears throat> um, can you go to the next slide, Christy? A gift. Okay, keep going. All right, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Try to break it up. Keep Johnny awake. Um, so Jesus, when he's coming into Jerusalem towards the end of his life, he, he sat with his disciples and he's talking about, I'm going to go into Jerusalem and I'm going to die. And they, and they couldn't believe it. They couldn't handle it. They didn't want to believe it. They just couldn't, couldn't hold on to that. So, but he says, you know, this is what's going to happen. Next slide. And then like you and I would, if we'd hung out with Jesus for three years and been, been seeing what he's done and being guarded by him, we'd, we'd be a little bit troubled. Okay. We'd be concerned. Oh, whoa, whoa. You're leaving. You're dying. Why are you doing this? Don't, no, no, don't do this. And you know what Jesus does? He doesn't say, oh, you'll be fine. He says, ah, next slide. It's going to be better for you. We, we just read this because the, I'm going to ask the father and he's going to give you the Holy spirit, this beautiful gift to you. That's how he comforts them. Next slide. So then Jesus goes to the cross. We just celebrated this a week and a half or two weeks ago at this point. 
he, he resurrects from the grave. Praise God. Uh, that's amazing. And then that night after the resurrection, he comes into this room where they're, where they're mourning, sleeping, freaking out, not, not knowing what to do. They're hiding out. They're locked doors. They didn't want to be, you know, on a cross themselves. I get it. So they're in this room and Jesus enters the room and he lets them, you know, see his wounds and, and, and he interacts with them and tries to encourage them. And then he does this really weird thing. This is in John 20. Next slide. He says, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I'm sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he literally did receive the Holy Spirit. And I, I think, you know, you can take this all the way back to Genesis where, where God breathed, the Spirit of God is breathed into us and we became a living being. What made us different from all of creation. He, he put himself in us. And so he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he talks to them about, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. This gift, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is what Jesus said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria, the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses in Lansdale and Montgomery County and Bucks County and Pennsylvania and the United States and all around the world. You're going to be my witnesses when this Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. Okay, so keep going. Next slide. About 50 days later, so this is Pentecost. About 50 days later, they're just hanging in Jerusalem. They were waiting because they were waiting for what they didn't know what this was. They hadn't read Acts 2 yet. They're just not knowing what's going to happen. So they're hanging out in, in, in this house. Uh, and there's about 120 of them and they're coming in every day and they're praying and they're waiting and they're waiting and what's going to happen. And then finally on the day of Pentecost, the Holy spirit falls in a, in a way that Jesus had prophesied of when he said, receive the Holy spirit, the Holy spirit falls and he comes in like this, this, you know, fireball and he goes all around the room. And all of a sudden they look around and everybody's, you know, got this flame above them and they're like, wow going on and then they be, they heard this wind that was coming from heaven it's god breathing on them through the holy spirit in a way that had never been and this comes down and it lights it, it lights up the room it changes you know it fills them they'd never seen this before even though they'd hung out with jesus for three years next slide it got really loud they didn't have good you know anderson windows and and it spilled out onto the streets the noise people got curious it was pentecost there were thousands of people in the city People are, what's going on? Then they began to pour out of the house onto the streets, and they began to speak in tongues, in languages they did not know. And they were declaring God's glory. They're just, they're just going for it. And what this led to, next slide, is Peter gets up, and he begins to preach a message. Now, this is the guy who betrayed the Lord about a month and a half earlier multiple times. And now he's standing up in front of thousands of people and he gives a message that he hadn't prepared for. He didn't have notes for. He'd had a life filled with the Holy Spirit at this point, And he preaches a message and next slide. And 3000 people, not everybody in the city, but 3000 people, over 3000 people repented and gave their lives to Jesus and said, he's the Messiah. I believe you, Peter. And this revival came on the city and changed history. Now, if you want societal transformation, this is how you get it. If you don't like, you know, 
you don't like injustice and, and you, that you hate the poverty, you hate the politics, you hate all the garbage that's going on, destruction of the environment, all of it, whatever, whatever you grabs your heart that you hate because God hates it, this is how it gets changed. Revival hit the, hit the city, and it, it, we are still living in the, in the wake. And it's happened multiple times since. It just happened recently at Asbury. And I hope it pops up all over the place, including here. You can't make it happen. You can't imagine it. You have, yes, you have to be open, but you also have to be desperate. And you have to be willing to say, whatever you want, God, whatever you want. Okay, next slide. And then they had a, a baptism at the creek. I'm sure Clyde's in there somewhere. All right. Supposed to end at, is it one o'clock? Okay, I'm going to, all right, I'll, I'll try to move through this part relatively quickly. I want to tell you another story. So the book of Acts is a, can you go to the next one? One more, sorry. Keep going. All right, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. He gives us fruit. He wants to fruit produce these things in us. Don't limit it to, oh, there's only seven fruit. Seven? There's only six, seven, whatever. I think it's seven. You know, there's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you is beautiful, okay? It includes things like wisdom and strength and love, peace, joy, long-suffering. All of that's true. But it's, again, we always want to limit it. How many gifts are there? Well, how many are listed? <laughs> There's as many gifts as he wants to give. 63. That's what she said? Oh, sorry. Nine. There's nine. And only nine. Only nine. Lord, if you give us anything beyond the nine, we will not receive it. No, I, I'm being completely facetious there. Lord, we want, we want 9,000 fruits, whatever you want to make in us, we believe. Okay, next slide. So I want to tell you one more, keep going. Uh, I want to tell you one more story about Philip and the Ethiopian unit because it sets up the end. There is an end. So Philip and the Ethiopian, this is from Acts 9, eight, Acts 8. Acts 8, the book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. It really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Not, not in a cage way, but in a, this is what's possible way. This is what's possible. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. I'm looking at Eileen now. Okay, next slide. So I'll, I'll tell this real pretty quickly. This story starts off with persecution in Jerusalem. Remember that revival that happened? It led to all sorts of persecution. So in Acts 8, there's all this persecution. There's, you know, the Christians are being hassled like crazy. Saul, who later became Paul, is a big piece of this. So they're, they're, they're really har harming the Christian, and the Christians have to leave the city. And, and a lot of them did. Not all of them, but many of them did, including Philip. And he goes up to Samaria, and in Samaria, which is north of the city, he goes up there and he starts preaching. He just does what he does because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's telling people about Jesus and about everything that Jesus did. And revival breaks out in Samaria. These half-breeds. The revival breaks out. People are getting healed. It's awesome. But then in the midst of this revival, the Holy Spirit comes to Philip and says, next slide. And says, he says, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go to South Road to Gaza. Now, I, I, can you imagine being in a, in a revival and then the Holy Spirit says, ah, now I want you to leave, go out to nowhere. This will be awesome. 
But you know what Philip did? He did it. Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is Lord. And he did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And he left, this, he left the revival in Samaria. And he went out on this no, nothing road that Jared will probably take you to called, you know, the road to Gaza. He, took, he went out there. Keep going. He's walking along, probably going, why am I here? Why am I here, Holy Spirit? Why am I here? Why am I here? And then he sees this chariot in the distance. And the, and the scripture says, the Holy Spirit, you can't read it, but I, oh, not yet. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join that chariot. Okay? So instead of saying, no, it's too far, or I don't, why? Bring him to me. I'm open. Bring him to me. He, he went after him. Okay? He went to the chariot. And when he got near the chariot, next slide, yeah, one more. He gets to the chariot, and he sees this guy in the chariot reading. This guy's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And you can imagine what went on in Philip's heart right then, right? He was. You're setting this guy up. You've teed this up for me. So he comes up to the man, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I, unless somebody explains it to me? Who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about another? He, he, who is he talking about? And he's talking about like, like a lamb. He's been um, led to the slaughter. He's referring to Isaiah 50, 42. I always mess that up. 42. Yeah. And, and so he, he, the, the, the gentleman in the chariot was a, an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay. So he'd been, he was in the service of the queen and he'd been, he was a Jew, and, and as a proselyte, he'd converted. He'd gone to Jerusalem for the Feast of, of Pentecost. He was on his way home. And he invites Philip into the chariot with him. Next slide. And Philip shares with him. He opens the scriptures. And through these scriptures, Philip shares with him who this is. This is about Jesus. And, I, and he tells him all the story of what happened in Jesus and that these prophecies about 900 years before were written. These just got fulfilled about a month and a half ago. Probably pretty exciting the Ethiopian eunuch to hear about, okay? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, here's some water. Can I get baptized? So they went down to the water, and Philip baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He baptized them and said, you, you know, you, you are come into Jesus and all that Jesus has done for you. And then they came up out of the water, and crazy stuff happens. They come up out of the water, and Philip's gone, and he finds himself on the road to, on the road to Azotus, I guess is how you say that that J.R. will take you there for a bagel. So he ends up, he ends up out in Azotus, um, which is, it was another city, and then he began to, to share in that city. Now, some things about this story, and then I'm, I'm, I am coming to an end. Can you go to the next slide? So we call this, I guess, life in the spirit. And so I, I, I was asking the Lord for an analogy or a metaphor because it helps me to think, how, what do I do with this? I mean, I want to be different. You know, tomorrow I want to be different. What do I do? What's my part? What's my part of desperation? Okay. So I got three things for you. The next slide has one of them. One, intimacy with God. We must cultivate intimacy with God. And you say, was well, it with the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, which? Yes. Cultivate intimacy with God. Spend time, worship, read the scriptures, pray, be quiet. Expect something, but cultivate intimacy with God. It's absolutely critical. There won't, he, he, yes, he can hit you with a holy stick. I mean, he can t 
talk to Balaam with a donkey. He can do whatever he wants. But if you cultivate intimacy with God, it, it sets you up, makes you like a lightning rod. Okay, next slide. Second, have faith in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead you. Have faith in that. Now, faith, faith is a funny word. It has become a word that means crutch in our culture. Oh, that's, he has faith, which means that's how he copes with things. It's a coping mechanism. That's not what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is where you can pull something out of heaven that's needed on earth. You can believe for something and literally pull something out of heaven that God wants to do on earth. On earth, that was the prayer of Jesus. Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so you look around the world and you say, what's going on that doesn't look like heaven? And then you have faith for that and pull it. And then if you, oh, I, I pulled on it for five minutes, Lord. Didn't happen. Let's not be your will. You get desperate. You pull and you pull and you find a community of friends who will pull with you. And you pull and you pull and you pull and you align your life with that thing. You make choices. You give. You declare. You prophesy. Do not let go of it. And the last thing, obedience. You do what the Lord tells you to do, like Philip. Now, Philip had said, yeah, that's great. You want me to go to, on this road to nowhere? I'm, I don't really, I'm not really feeling it. I, I'm afraid. But he said, no, I'll, yes, whatever you want to do, Lord. I'll leave, I'll leave the revival <laughs> to go out onto this road to nowhere and I, because I trust you. I will obey you. And because of that, the gospel came to this eunuch who was on his way back to Ethiopia, and I have to think had a huge impact on that nation that later became the oldest church in the those established, earliest established church in, in Africa. Sorry, one more. I forgot the last. Yeah, it moves. Look at that. High tech. It moves. Can you go back so they can see it? Because they got to see it really quick. One more. <laughs> This was for Joel, and he's not even here. Okay. So, so this is, this is part, of, part of what God wants to do. Is that if you just put up, if you only put two points on that sail, and the wind hits it, squat. You got to have three. Intimacy with God, faith that the Holy Spirit can and will lead you, and obedience. You put all those three up. He's going to take you places. He's going to do stuff through you, in you, for you. Okay? Last one. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, God is a God of community. He wants us to do this. He wants us to have shared intimacy with God, that we together have intimacy with God. Intimacy. And Joe, if you want to step up and... You can start doing what, what you're going to next. Shared intimacy with God. Final, in the second thing there, faith in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead us. Faith in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead us. And then obedience as a church family. Sorry. Obedience as a church family that we together could be led by him. And that could be that Bobby gets a word and declares it and we go, yeah. 
Savannah just said the same thing last week. I think this might be the Holy Spirit. And then Levi says it, and we say, whoa, this is what the Lord's speaking. This is where we're going. That's, how it, that's what happened in the scriptures. Okay? So I don't... Um, Thank you, God. Um, just thank you for how good you are. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we, we want to honor you, and we want to believe what you say. We know that the Holy Spirit is, is you in us. The Holy Spirit is your gift to us. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father to us. And we just want to live in a, a life of intimacy, a life of faith, a life is, of, of obedience. Lord, we want to be desperate for what you want to do in us, in our families, in our church, in our workplace, in our community. We want societal transformation, but we ultimately know that that only comes from you. Anything lasting, anything good comes from you. Thank you for inviting us into this. We bless you. We open ourselves to you and to what you're doing and saying among us. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.